Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on the PBSC Podcast. We got a Question that came through a PBSC listener. We wanted to read that real quick, and then we're going to jump in to answer that the best we can. So uh, says, hello, Mark and Steve. My partner and I are currently in reconciliation from sex addiction. We're in our fourth month of monthly couples sessions, as well as I recently started individual sessions. We really like our sex specialist, but he tells me not to pay attention to my spouse's lusting and to get out of his head when it comes to the lusting. My question is this. My partner had betrayed me by lusting and acting out with images and thoughts of his coworker. How do I ignore the lusting? As that was one of my main questions to gauge how he is doing by asking him about it. And it is now one of my boundaries. I don't think he's working on this area. And he still lusts after her week after week, and it's tearing me up inside. Hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we we get questions like this often that are, are along a similar vein, uh, but we haven't touched on this in a minute, so it would be good to talk about. I I think we're going to come at this from a couple of different places. Um, so let's just kind of start with the basics of a relationship, okay? What and what a healthy relationship looks like when it comes to connection, you know. When it comes to fidelity and, and trust, for example, um, fidelity and trust, they uh, are important parts to any relationship. And uh, everybody has an obligation at the end of the day in a relationship to decide, you know, what are going to be the elements of, of, of that relationship for me? What is a romantic relationship going to look like? And what are concepts like fidelity and trust? What are those going to specifically mean to me? Um, and that's, I think, a hard thing to break into, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a hard thing to shift, especially when we're talking about getting out on our own and forming these new relationships. You know, there's a lot of questions involved with that. Yeah. What, what, does, what does the concept of, you know, quote, exclusivity mm-hmm. look like for you in your relationship? You get to decide what that is. You know, contrary, and and again, we have a very sexualized, I would even call it in many ways, an over-sexualized culture that that we live in, that we were raised in. 
Uh, different things were modeled to us in the families that we were raised in. Peers taught us certain things as we were coming up through school and college. And so it can get pretty confusing and twisted as to what this is, quote, supposed to look like. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. It's it's really and, well. And, and I think that, you know, especially when, with, yeah, with all those different influences, it, it can be a little hard to kind of formulate what that is. Um, now, we're going to talk about a couple of other components to this here in just a second, because there may be some disconnects with what this therapist is telling this client versus not. And obviously we don't know the context of, of this. And so we're just kind of weighing in without any of that information. We, we totally recognize that, but you know, at the end of the day, if I'm going to be happy in a relationship, right. When the rubber meets the road, nobody, be it my parents, be it culture, be it my faith of origin or whatever the case may be at the end of the day can dictate to me, you know, even my therapist can dictate, you know, this is what you should expect or not expect in a relationship, right? All of these sources, I think, are things that we should be drawing off of. But at the end of the day, me as, as Steve, right, only Steve can decide, you know, what, what is, for example, what's fidelity going to look like for me, mm-hmm. right? Versus what is, you know, what is trust going to look like? What, what does transparency mean to me? What am I willing to give to a relationship? And what am I looking to take from one, right? Because at the end of the day, if I'm not happy in a relationship, that 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 that's the main, right? That's that when I hit at the most basic level, if I'm not happy in a relationship, the relationship is either not going to last or it's not going to last well, right? Yeah. It's not going to be one that's healthy or one that I'm going to want to stay in. And so, uh, you know, when we, and oftentimes I think we as people, it's it's hard because we get it. We find ourselves in these marriages and in, in these relationships, and we oftentimes haven't taken that either. We haven't taken the time prior to the relationship to really find our voice when it comes to different topics like this. Mm. Or I think what is just as, if not more common, is we don't keep enough of an ongoing eye to it while we're in the relationship because these things change and evolve over time, right? We as people they do. Yeah. And the thing to remember, I mean, relationships are supposed to be consensual, right? And equals coming to the table and, and anyone in a relationship has the right to expect safety and trust in that relationship and to define what that means. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what I find, I mean, this was the case in the, in the early years of my marriage is I would not say it was, it was on an equal footing at all because I brought a lot of codependent tendencies to that relationship. Mm-hmm. I was codependent rather than knowing my independent mind and heart and then being able to be interdependent in the relationship. I was fully codependent. So I wasn't mm-hmm. going to express my deepest feelings. I wasn't going to be totally transparent and authentic by putting stuff out on the table. I sure as <laughs> heck wasn't going to talk about how sex was mentored to me and the family I grew up in. Mm. I wasn't going to openly talk about what I saw between my, my parents. You know, I wasn't going to talk about what my peers told me. That was, there was just a part of me that just didn't want to share any of that. Yeah. And so we just sort of, I don't know, went along to get along, just sort of made certain assumptions, did the best we could, but I would have to say that neither of us was really happy. I really felt like, you know, our, our truest, fullest desires were being shared and boundaries established and things put into place with regard to 
trust and fidelity and exclusivity. Yeah. Well, and I think that is so true, especially the spouses, right? Who have been in an addiction in, in an addiction or emotional or or sexual abu- sexually abusive or maybe repressive is the better term. Uh, you know, situation. Um, when when we go through this recovery process of change, because everyone's story is so different, you know, a big all oftentimes these questions that we're talking about that we're never asked, we ask them as a part of this process, right? Mm-hmm. What are we what do we want this to look like? How do, where do we want this to go? And and having conversations around these topics for most of the couples, I would say that come through my door are probably that that's more of the case than not, right? Less less spouses than I than than you would think have really deep, I think, connective conversations about these topics before, and especially when you're talking about uh, relationships that are so unstable. Again, with that. With, with, with the communication instability and the tension and all the other things going on, I think so many spouses of, for example, addicts, are they get so, in, so tied up in just the survival right side of a relationship and just trying to kind of keep things together. Well, um, sure. Yeah, because you're coming at two sides from this. You're, part of you is saying, if, if I say something, this guy's going to explode. Of I'm course. Gonna- yeah. We just we just had a little period of time where things were actually semi-stable. Am, yes. am I going to blow that all apart, or you things go unspoken and unexpressed until finally you can't take it anymore, and then you just you just erupt, you blow up, and it seems like it's it's either of those two extremes. Is I we either don't talk about it to just sort of keep things on an even keel, or we wait until it reaches a crisis and then we explode. Yeah. So the healthy communication, right? The the dialoguing about what's raw and real and authentic doesn't typically happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's really true. And and uh moving into that thriving space is really uncomfortable, I think, both for a partner to find their voice as well as obviously the other partner to hear about that. Yeah. I I had a client I worked with uh, some, you know, some time back. Uh, I'll I'll give you a really stark example of this. It happens more often than I, than I would like to say that it does, but in doing some work, so this, so the, the guy, the, the uh, husband in this, in the relationship had been addicted to, to porn and pretty heavy sexual outlets, their entire marriage. And um, he, he never sought recovery. He grew up in a culture where it was considered to be normal, man, you know, boys will be boys this just is what it is. And she was kind of raised that way too. And as I started to do some really deep work with her, where she got, she felt safe. She felt like she had an advocate in me. She expressed some really, really tragic, sad feelings. She said, you know, all the, the, the decades when we would have sex, she said, I hated it. Mm, I hated every minute of it. She said, I basically would just put on a show and grin and bear it. But the whole time in my mind, I'm saying, I can't wait till this is over. I can't wait. Just survive this. Just survive this. Mm-hmm. And you hear that and your heart just breaks. You're like, wow, decades she went through that. What and a breaks that, for both of them. Both of them. And he didn't, right? and as I worked with him, he, and we did broach these tough subjects. He said, I didn't know. Yeah. He literally said, why didn't you say something? Yeah. Yeah, you've got. So, what do we have? We have two people dissatisfied for very different reasons. <laughs> I mean, you have to chuckle about it. It's so tragic, right? We got two people dissatisfied for very different reasons. 
right? In a relationship. And it comes down to among a few other key things, right? Just this lack of. Well, and here's the crazy part. He said, he said, I was convinced all those years. She, she thought the sex was great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, absolute polar opposites. And, and here we come again, not knowing the tools or the skills or feeling the safety or ever having it modeled to them that you actually open up and begin to dialogue about these things. Yes, absolutely. Now it is important to, to acknowledge, right? We're kind of getting this information oh, third. Well, we are getting this, this information third party. And, oh, it's so, very, and it's very cryptic. We don't know anything about this therapist. She calls the therapist a sex specialist. We don't know what that is. Sure. And so if we're looking at this, you know, what I kind of hear as we're going through the, through what, what we're kind of hearing is, you know, as this client is relate or this, this listener is relating, you know, what's going on between this therapist and this client. What I could see a therapist definitely saying, which we would definitely stand behind is, you know, if a therapist is encouraging a partner in an addiction, you know, who's, who's involved with a partner addict um, to let go or surrender control over their lusting and focus on their own healing. We're all about that. And we talk about that on here all the time. And I, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion. Maybe there's, that's maybe at least part of the intention, right? Is look, you've got to quit obsessing or trying to control or regulate that because there's nothing you can do about it, right? We have to, we have to redirect and we have to help you to put your energy and your time and your, your focus onto your own healing, which, which would be a great uh, approach. And well, and, and let's make sure, you know, please, everybody listening, please do not misunderstand us. It's one thing to see, and I've worked with a lot of, I've worked with a lot of partners, a lot of, um, most of them, I would say were women who, because, the, because the betrayal has been so deep and gone on for so long, the way that they tried to find safety is by being hyper vigilant about what he is thinking or what he's not thinking in any given moment. And they begin to, they begin to ask and check up and they want to know, they want to know every thought that he's having. They want to know where he's at in every moment and it takes over their lives. And what it does is it pulls that spouse away from her being able to engage in her, her own full healing process by taking so much ownership with what he's thinking or not, or where he's at or where he's not. So if a therapist is saying, hey, I want to help you let go of that and make him responsible for his own thoughts and recovery and battle with lust and help you focus on your healing and well-being. If that's what the therapist is saying, right, you and I support that. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 and I definitely would agree with that. So I think, I think at the end of the day, right, the, the, the kind of the takeaway from that piece is, and as we wrap up today, you know, that is probably going to be the takeaway here is, is, and, and this is another topic for another time, but, you know, really a spouse is going to be best suited by taking a lot of that focus off of that component of, you know, trying to run his recovery or run his show. I think, I think for most spouses in almost every case, the more a spouse tries to do that, it does two things. One, it inevitably leads to disappointment because we're trying to control something we can't. And two, we burn out all our energy as spouses, I think. Uh, trying to work on those things and it doesn't leave anything for the real healing and the real work on our end. And so, and as, uh, and now as we say that, what I, what I was, what I was going to say uh, in addition a minute ago, please don't misunderstand. We're not saying it's okay for him to lust. Well, the lust is his deal. You let him go have the stuff in his head. And if he wants to have fantasies in his head, that's no big deal. That's none of your business. We are not saying that, right? We're saying that you have every right 
to express and ask for and set boundaries for what is fidelity and trust and exclusivity for you. And if that includes that you're not okay with him lusting and fantasizing about other people, or for that matter, even about you, you get to voice that and you get to establish boundaries around that. And our hope is, is that if he's in serious recovery, he's going to make himself accountable. He's going to lead out, right, and proactively take steps to address his lusting. And he's going to check in with you on a regular basis to tell you the tools that he's using and how he's working on it, right? So please don't misunderstand. We say, let him take ownership. We mean he takes ownership, not rationalization or minimalization or justification, right? He works his recovery on that issue of lusting. It's definitely a complicated topic and there's a lot of different sides to it. Um, you know, we are recording this podcast on, on a Monday uh, for release on Tuesday morning is when our podcast typically comes out. And Wednesday uh, mornings is uh, are the mornings that we uh, on our Dare to Connect program for couples, we meet with spouses and we talk about complicated topics like this every week. And we would love to have you come join us if you haven't already. Um, we would say jump on in the pool. The water is fine. You know, there's, yeah, uh, yeah this, gotta... this is exactly what we would talk about on on Partner Wednesdays with with women, especially who are in a relationship with an addict. How do they approach this? We've got a two week free trial with that. We would love to have you come join us. Uh, take a look at that. We uh, really go in depth on these topics and treat them, you know, the depth of them in a way that we just can't on a on a podcast, on a podcast in, in an interactive level. So uh, please do check that out. Uh, for more information about that, you can look that up at uh, daretoconnectnow.com. Um, other than that, guys, we appreciate, uh, as you as always, you guys submitting your questions and, and, and issues to us to address on here. Please do continue to roll those in. We've got a, a good amount of them uh, already kind of in the shoot, so to speak, to address. But we'd love to keep hearing from you. We we try to record these podcasts right at the last minute before we release them so that the information is as current as can be. And uh, we look forward to hearing more from you and getting those submissions at uh, pbsepodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you there. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next time on PBSE. Have a good one. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.